our next question is um, has to do with the the American Hockey League. Uh, the question is: um, Parker Watherspoon is still 26 and playing in the AHL. Is there an age limit to playing in the AHL? At what point do most guys think it's time to move on? Well, so Watherspoon's obviously up with the Bruins now and is, is playing. Um, to answer the, the last part, there, there is no age limit in the AHL. Uh, there are 30-something-year-olds in the AHL. I was watching the, the Providence game against the Toronto Marlies Wednesday night, and the Marlies have Kyle Clifford, who's 32 and you know has plenty of NHL experience, obviously just hasn't been able to you know, catch on in an NHL job recently. Um, he did – Clifford scored a goal just totally knocking Frederick Brunet um, like 10 feet off the puck on the four check, just as a quick aside. But um, so, yeah, so there's no there's no age limit. And it, it's interesting because this topic is – Montgomery's kind of actually been asked about this a little bit uh, with Wotherspoon and how much AHL experience he has. And, um, you know, it's Kevin Paul DuPont who was asking and saying, like, you know, it's kind of rare nowadays to see someone who has five, six years in the AHL and – still, you know, sticks it through and ends up making, you know, sticking in the NHL at that point. And, um, you know, it's a credit to, to Wotherspoon, but, you know, look, if you can play a long time in the AHL, yeah, everyone wants to get to the NHL and that's not ideal, but you can make enough money to make a good living. Like that's, that's not the worst career is to, to play in the AHL for six, seven, eight years into your late twenties or, or even your 30s. You know, the Bruins have Jason Magna down in the NHL. He's in his 30s. Down in the AHL, rather. He's in his 30s. Yeah, and people will remember um, one of my favorite players of all time. He actually – I think he got pulled over um, for drunk driving and ended up coaching a peewee hockey team. But um, he ended up playing for the Minnesota Wave, uh, and he was in his 30s, I think, too, Gordon Bombay. I don't know if you guys remember him. So, yeah, people can – I could see that coming. <laughs> In a very roundabout way, it was getting, it was going to get there. Um, <laughs> well, I was going to say, and this I say jokingly because uh, Anton Strawman was sent down to Providence last last season, but I don't think he played a single game. So I mean, he played like he played a couple, like literally just a couple, really. And he was like thirty six. Yeah. yeah. M- meanwhile, Yarmir Yager is the fifty one and playing still in the Czech Republic. So yeah, he just, he had an assist in the first game of the season. So. Yeah. I saw he, he, he owns the team. He's just like, he's just like, yeah, I'm just going to own this team and like play until I literally can't skate anymore. <laughs> that's, that's talk about a guy who lives hockey, man. That's hilarious. I mean, he's probably still the best player on the team. If we're being real. Like he's probably get, I, from the last time I saw him play, he was still pretty good. I mean, I know he's 51, but uh, yeah. Okay, so let's move along down the list here. And again, there there is a lot to do with Matt Potter. So I'm gonna try to break it up a little bit um and then jump around, jump back to it. I was I was thinking maybe get to Mark Allred's comment because his was has to do with Potter kind of the, the Merkelov thing, like to stick with the AHL. Okay. Talk yeah. about the AHL. So Mark said if Georgie Merkelov is to get a call up soon, what is the ideal situation to put him in? I'd like to surround him with better talent. So like in the top six, but if fourth line duties are the plan for him, 
in any recall. I'd rather keep him in Providence on the team's most productive offensive line. Um, and he also said thanks and happy holidays. So happy holidays to him too. Um, but I just want to start by saying I don't even think they're going to call up Georgie Merkulov. I feel like if they need another center, they're going to do what they did the other day, which is just move Frederick. Like, I, I'm not sure that that's who's getting the call up. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Boquist comes up, Frederick plays center. Um, it wouldn't surprise me that that's the way they decide to go rather than calling up Merkulov. We would all like to get a chance to see him play. So, like, if you asked us, would it make sense and would we want to see it? We, we don't, I think we'll all say yes to that, but I just don't know if that's the actual move they would make. I tend to think it would be Frederick move him over. And just because we've seen them do that before and they trust Frederick I, as a center in certain situations. So. I actually think it might be the move they make. Um, I think if in the specific scenario where one of Coyle Zaka or Geeky has to miss a game or a couple games or whatever. I do think Merkulov might get called up because Bridget, you're right. The last time they had to do that, they did just move Frederick over and Boquist went in. <clears throat> Boquist also played four minutes and didn't get a shift over the final like 35 minutes of the game. Um, so I don't know that they're going to look at that and be like, let's do that again. Uh, I could, I really could see them saying, hey, first off, Georgie Merkulov's on fire. He has six goals in his last six games, uh, a point in nine of the last 11 games. He had a goal and assist Wednesday night. Um, seems to be playing really well, just all around game. So I could definitely see them thinking like, let's reward the guy who deserves it the most, who's playing the best. And we don't think it's going to be permanent, but hey, there's two games here where we think we're going to be without one of the centers. Let's see what he does for two games. Like, I I definitely could see that because that's, like, to me, that's just kind of good organizational management to reward a guy who has earned a reward rather than just keep calling up the same guys who, in some cases, aren't really taking advantage of their opportunities anyways. Well, I think they should do it, like I said. I think that like you said, you want to reward someone, you want to see what you have too. Um, I think that that's the move they should make. I'm just not sure if they're going to. Um, and also it's really hard to make a case for yourself when you only play four minutes. So it's not like, I wonder what they see in Boquist that they dislike to the point where they only play him four minutes. Like, I, I'm not sure exactly what their assessment of him is, but Sometimes it feels like they call him up and then it's like an immediate slap in the face. Like they called him up and then he didn't play. And then they called him up and he played four minutes. Like, I don't really know what the situation is with him. Yeah. I mean, it, there's only so much we've seen of him. I think some of it might just be to kind of, you know, they, 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 he has NHL experience and I think they can just call him up and not worry too much about him. And, um, I think they also don't really want egg on their face because they kind of gave him a shot in the offseason. I'm not really sure on Boquist, but as it pertains to Merkulov, um, you know, I agree with, with, with what you guys are saying. I think he should get a look. And I just want to give uh, Robert Chalmers a shout out because he also asked on Twitter, do you think it's only a matter of time before we see Merkulov get called up? So he also had a question regarding this. Um, look, I think for a lot of reasons he should. And 
first and foremost, he has he's not some random AHL player that just so happens to be producing, but there's not a lot of uh, nobody really knows who he is. Like he's one, like he's definitely somebody in their system that everybody's been watching, and he's he's somebody that that we all hope is part of their future, the Bruins included. So he's holding up his end of the bargain. He is playing really well down in the minors. And I think there's a lesson to be had here for, as it, as it pertains to managing people, like understanding how to manage people. And ironically, that's exactly what Don Sweeney is. He's a general manager, right? So it's like, you need to, you need to let your entire system of players understand that, and that includes the AHL, the ECHL, whatever, that if you do what you're asked to do, and certainly if you do above what you're being asked to do, you should be rewarded. And 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 maybe it's not a long-term call-up, but Merkulov needs to see this is why this is why I'm working so hard. This is why I'm producing because I am getting this opportunity here as opposed to going down there for a whole season, lighting it up and never getting called up. What does that do to somebody's morale? Like it's good for people to have an opportunity to chase, but once people start to feel like no matter what they do, they're not going to get that chance. It's disheartening and it kind of can send you down a, a, um, a spiral, I suppose. So if you want to optimize the player, you need to give them an opportunity when they've earned it, especially where the Bruins brass has talked about, like we, we give people opportunities if they earn it, like nobody's jobs are guaranteed. And, and this is an opportunity like Potters and world juniors, like the center is not the most stable position right now. So give the kid a chance, like let him, yeah. Like let him build some confidence and, and, and let him be assured that his hard effort and production has not been for naught. Yeah. And you know, that, that even if it is only a couple of games, like that message that the motivation that you can give him, when he goes back down of like being able to say like, Hey, we really liked this, this, and this, and we want you to keep, we want you to work on this, this, and this, like now that's really going to sink in. Whereas, you know, it seems by all accounts, like Merkulov's taken to coaching really well, but right now it's probably a lot of just, Hey, keep doing these things you're doing and little tweaks here and there. Whereas you get that taste of the NHL. Like now you've seen it. Now it's, you know, Jim Montgomery sitting down with you saying, here's what we want to see. Now it's, you know, Don Sweeney sitting down with you again. Like that message sinks in a lot more and you kind of go back at that extra motivation of like, okay, I saw it. I know like, this is what I have to do. This is what they're telling me. And like, there's his motivation for the next, however much longer he's down there. Um, I do, I do agree with Mark that if it's, say it was like Johnny Beecher had to miss a game. I think it's probably not going to be Merkulov getting called up. Um, just because, you know, I don't really think he's like a, he's definitely improved his defense. I don't think it's enough of a strength yet where you're throwing him to like a fourth line, kind of more of a grinder role. Um, you know, Pat, as much as people, some people on Twitter seem to hate him, but like Patrick Brown is with the team right now and they would probably just, plug him in as fourth line center. Yeah. I was just about to bring that up. I was like, there's technically a center in the depth chart that's come up before Merkulov already. And that's Patrick Brown. So, um, and like Scott mentioned, he's with the team. So 
you know, it's the those are the the less sexy moves would be to plug in Patrick Brown again or move Frederick over. Um, but yeah, I think we all agree that we'd like to see wanna, Mark off. I just want to know, and the other part of the question, you guys already answered it, but I agree. Like, yeah, I, I would rather see Murky off. Like, if you're gonna call him up, put him with players that have skill where he can um, you know, optimize his skill set. But I just don't know if you're not gonna reward the player, not just to reward him, but because he's proving down in the minors, he might be able to help you if given the opportunity in the NHL. Why invest in players if when they do what you're hoping that they do doesn't amount to opportunity? Like, like that kind of annoys me. It's then then why then what is the Georgie Merkulov project? Why'd you sign him out of college? And 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 I'm not even saying like right now if he's not called up, but because of Potter and World Juniors, I'm just saying in general, it's like if he plays and plays well, but never gets an opportunity because you have the unreal center depth of Pavel Zaka, Charlie Coyle, Morgan Geeky, and like Patrick Brown and Johnny Beecher. It's like, why is this kid not getting a chance again? So that'll that will annoy me if the year keeps progressing and no one's really grabbing the bull by the horns and he's still doing his thing down in the minors. I will probably get annoyed at that point. I'm not there yet, but I just want them to I just want to know like if you're not gonna plan on giving him a chance, then, then what's this all about? Yeah, I mean I guess it's a question of like, okay, who who in the top line should either get knocked down to the fourth line or leave the lineup. Like it, it's you know, we've talked about it, but it's like the the Bruins have enough good forwards, like they have good depth up front. What they lack is like enough truly high-end talent. And I don't think Mergulov is gonna come up and be that. So it's like, okay, who's who's out of the lineup? Which is why I kind of only think this happens if there's an injury somewhere. Um, that opens a spot up because like, yeah, you could, you could call him up and say like, Hey, he's, he's earned it. You know, he's, this is a reward for his good play and we want to see what he can do. But then it's like, well, okay, but who are you knocking out of the lineup? Cause I'm not sure anyone currently playing in the top nine. Like, I mean, maybe this can lead into a, you know, debrusque question. Cause I'm sure that's where people's minds are going, but like, I don't know who you're taking out of the lineup or knocking down to the fourth line because I do feel like most of those guys from you know are playing pretty well they're just not elite scorers well let me ask you this Scott and Bridget but uh the knock on Merkulov I think since leaving uh Ohio State was that he needed to work on uh the defensive side of the puck right but his offensive skill set is there and it's very promising and whatnot so if for some reason the Bruins feel like his defensive game isn't where it needs to be, isn't one way to mitigate that at the NHL level is to, like we've talked about with like other players, like maybe try him on the wing. Like, uh, because in that situation, you can you can ease into the NHL and you're not you're not put in a position where you have all these defensive responsibilities and maybe um he's kind of free to 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 play um play free offensively, but I also think there's a massive question out there of what is his what is his NHL ceiling? Is it a top six forward? I don't know if any of us know that. We can talk projections. But what do you think of that? Like, say maybe what? Well, yeah, like I mean, you mentioned Jake DeBrus, but let's just say a, a winger isn't producing the way they need to produce, and maybe Merkulov gets a shot at gets a look at wing um, for a couple of games. I don't, 
is that a possibility or not optimal? Well, and just like to refresh people's minds in case, um, you know, their background on Merkulov isn't, um, you, you know, they don't know where exactly where he came from. Like you mentioned, he came out of Ohio State. He was not drafted. Uh, he was signed as a free agent and Don Sweeney kind of got him to leave college a little bit early. Um, and so he now is playing in Providence, um, didn't finish his college at Ohio State. And the funny it's funny that you mentioned that Brian because if he gets a call up to wing before Fabian Lysel gets a call up to wing like I feel like that could cause another whole conversation similar to what we had yesterday about where Fabian Lysel is and in terms of making the NHL and what his future looks like because if it's not saying Georgie Merkulov shouldn't get a chance but we we've had this exact same conversation about Fabian Lysel before um, if, a, you know, if a top six winger isn't producing, should they call him up? Well, I think it would be pretty telling if Merkulov got that treatment and got brought up um, over Fabian Lysel. It would just kind of tell you where they each of them are at in their process of getting closer to the NHL. Yeah, I think I think Merkulov played a little bit of wing early last season. So his first pro season, um, but is definitely a natural center. I think I believe has only played center this season. So I would generally prefer when you're calling someone up to play them at their natural position, but I guess it's not out of the question. Um, by the way, since we mentioned Lysel, that game Wednesday night uh, against Toronto, Lysel tried to go one on four again. And I just like cringed watching it. I was like, didn't, didn't we just go through this on Sunday? Like, what, what are you doing, man? Um, and I thought he had been playing pretty well to that point too, honestly. But then I saw that and it's like, can't happen once a game. Like that's not, it, it isn't working at the AHL. It's definitely not going to work in the NHL. No. It, and uh, it couldn't have been more clear that that was like the moment that he got called out for the previous game. Like it was very clear. It was, Word for word, like he went again one on four, and we need him to get that out of his game. Yeah, well, that's that's something he's gonna have to work on because now everybody's Mujanel kind of put him on notice, and not just him, but all of the Bruins fan base now that now everybody knows to look well, for it. Yeah, I mean, and and you know, the their next game after the callouts on NHL Network, and the Bruins have an off night, so it's like. I'm sure there were a lot more eyeballs than, than usual for a Providence Bruins game. Yeah. And Merkulov plays well, which I think he said earlier. So just continues to score. But anyway, Scott, uh, Providence, Providence ended up losing seven to three and just like straight up did not play defense at any point during that game. So that was, that was, that was not a great showing for them, but Merkulov was good for sure. Mm. All right, so we did mention Jake DeBrusque. So let's go to a question from Liz, and she says, quite frankly, she says, what do you do with Jake DeBrusque? Do you think Monty should sit him at this point and try to kickstart him? The rookies are putting him to shame. Patra has more goals than him, and he's tied with Beecher. Yes, he's doing other things to contribute, but he needs to be their number three offensive guy. Goal scoring is why he is there, and his three-on-three play has been ugly. Do you agree that the longer this goes on, his trade value continues to go down? Um, I mean, yes, Liz. I think it, it, his 
his his his stock is low right now because his production's not there. But um, yeah, and I, his contract, like we mm, mentioned this before, he's in a contract him. year, so right. the contract numbers for him go down as as you know the slump continues, and if or if there's not like a a production boost, if if he doesn't have the numbers to back up the kind of contract, I'm sure he went into the season thinking a different number than than what they're looking at right now. Yeah. And, and people uh, have mentioned, and, and Liz mentioned it in a question, that he's, he's, he's found other ways to contribute off the score sheet. I mean, I've, I've said it's on blue in the face. I don't, I, don't, I don't see the contributions that everybody else, or not everybody else, that some seem to see with him despite the scoring. I mean, I, oh, he's, help, he's helping the team. The team has a record of, you know, 17-5-1, and, and he's a part of that. Okay, well, I also watched him be one of the reasons why they flat out lost in overtime. So uh, I'm getting, you know, you guys know how I feel about DeBrusque. I I, I like the player's skill set, and I like the player's personality off the ice, but I certainly don't love um, the the, la- the lackadaisical effort and, and, the, and the mental um, – he just seems mentally out of it sometimes. And we never brought this up on the podcast, but there was a game – about a week or two ago, uh, and and the I think it was a national TV game, and and then uh, I think it was against the Devils, and Geeky and Pot uh, Geeky and Pasternak were on a line with DeBrusque, and Patra went out there with those two for a faceoff, and you see Jim Montgomery yelling at somebody on the bench, um, and and Matt Patra, like I said, went out with 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 Geeky and and Pasternak and. The second the, the puck drops, he goes off the ice and DeBrusque pops on. So contextually, you could probably figure out that DeBrusque was just zoning out when his line was supposed to be out there. And Montgomery is like, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, that's I'm not going to go off on a tangent on DeBrusque. Um, I'll let you guys take this over on it and respond to Liz's question. What do you do with the kid? Is Can you even get anything for him right now? I mean, no question is value is not high right now. Like if you – if you trade him right now, you're, you're selling low. And, um, you know, that someone else had, I think asked a question along those lines too. Uh, it was Eric on Twitter. Um, we can get to that a little later cause it's more about like a package, but, um, yeah, I mean, every other team sees the same thing. Every, everyone else does like he's not scoring and he's paid to be a scorer. So, what you have to do is you keep playing him and keep working with him and you hope he pulls out of it. Like whether that's with the intention of keeping him through the season and him being a valuable player to you or improving his value for a potential trade. Like to me, that's the only option. I mean, yeah, if things get bad enough and you, you can healthy scratch him, like that's obviously an, an attention grabbing move. Um, you know, he was already scratched once this season for being late to a team meeting. So no doubt that would be an enormous story. And I think I think if Jake DeBrus got healthy scratched, that would you you can certainly feel it like simmering again, where like I don't know if he's gonna get booed at the garden like he did after the trade request went public. But it feels like a healthy scratch would be like that green light to the fan base to like really turn on him again. Um, and at that point, you probably have to start seriously looking at trading him because I don't know how you get it back on the rails after that. 
I think what you have to do is you keep playing him and you hope he pulls out of it. I, I've said on here, like I'm one of the people who does think he's still doing other good things. Uh, I, I do still think he's helping them win games. I know Brian disagrees with that. I, <laughs> I see him doing, doing enough, you know, to, again, not to be worth $4 million, but to help them win hockey games. Um, I don't think overall in the season, I don't think he's let like his defense slip or his penalty killing or his ability to set up teammates, which I think he's still been doing at a pretty high rate. He's not scoring. And I do think like you've started to see games and situations where that frustration is starting to show up. I think that shot in overtime is one of them. Like, Jake DeBrus, when he's on his game, probably isn't taking that shot. I think, and Jim Montgomery talked about this a little on Thursday, like, I think he takes that shot because he's had a couple other chances in the game that he hasn't buried, and he's frustrated. And he thinks, I don't know, he thinks he's going to go for a hero shot. But that obviously wasn't a smart play and ends up costing them the game. And it's like, that's what has to change, and the only way it changes is if he starts scoring. So I know we sound like a broken record, but like he he needs to score. And that's not going to happen if you sit him or you start jerking around his minutes or whatever. Like you've got to find a way to get him going because I, I don't think there's any other option besides that. Bridget, what did you think of the, uh, what did you think of his, 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 his back check Bridget and his, and his, and his wide, his wide turn, like Scott, that's like, the frustration with the shot selection is one thing. You stop and you go the other way and you get your ass back. He just like everybody talks about that play. He's he there was enough time to get back. Like the goal scorer was also his guy. Like he he just he missed the net and literally went for a skate. And and I don't know how anybody can can say otherwise. And that to me pissed me off far more than the shot missing the net because that does happen. Get the fuck back on defense. <laughs> so, so this was this also dates back to I forget what song you compared it to, Brian. But I I agreed with Scott for what it's worth. I me and Xerxes agreed with Scott on on this topic, and um, that I said I would describe you know what's coming for him is like I I feel like the production is coming, um, and I still think that, and I think that if you healthy scratch him. You, you like Scott said, you open the door for people to turn even harder on him. And I just, I don't want to be in a place like we were when I, I personally think, and, and I know Brian, you disagree with me on this. Like sometimes booing your own players makes you look bad. Like I, I don't like that look from any fan base. And I don't think that I, I, I feel like it'd be a missed opportunity for the Bruins because we're already talking about how they might be down a top six winger. And like, if you take him out of the lineup or, you know, you, you trade him and don't get a a top six uh, forward in return, then you're like, you may as well just stick with DeBrusque and hope he gets back to form the way he did last year and how he did, how he responded to that last time he went through the adversity um, because it doesn't really do you that much to trade him away and lose someone in your top six. Um, you just have to hope that some of those other things that like, I know you brought up a bunch of the analytics last episode or two episodes ago, Scott, hope that the numbers are telling you that, you know, you're, you're about to get 
more out of him more at least more like he was last season so I think I think you can't get rid of him without having another option to bring in to to fit a top six role um just to clarify my stance because I don't think I've actually said it yet as it pertains to scratching him I would not scratch Jake DeBrusque because he doesn't he he has not shown he's been scratched before um Scott you mentioned earlier this year for missing a team breakfast uh shout out Tyler Sagan. Um, but Bruce Cassidy had scratched uh, Jake DeBrusque in the past uh, on multiple occasions. And he showed everybody that he'll come back the next game shot out of a cannon, but then he'll revert right back to, you know, kind of the same things that got him scratched in the first place. So I don't think that Jake DeBrusque is the, is, is, has the mentality and he's not the type of player that responds well long-term to scratching. It kind of it becomes a slippery slope. Um, so I don't want to scratch him either. You know, he, he should play every game until you decide to move on from the player because he's not the type of player that will do well up in the press box at all for you. Um, Bridget, the song you were referring to that I said was Make It Happen um, by, by the record company. I have another song uh, lyric, and it's called uh, It's Me, Hi, I'm the Problem, It's Me. And I think that um, people are starting to maybe realize that Jim Montgomery is getting a little annoyed at the brusque too, um, and that <laughs> maybe Bruce Cassidy wasn't such a, a bad guy. Maybe, like, maybe DeBrusque is just the kind of player that coaches get frustrated with because there's so much potential there, and – it just doesn't seem to come to fruition enough. Brian, well, I have no let, idea let me, what I have no idea what artist it is that you're referring to on that last song. I think it's Travis Kelsey's girlfriend. I don't know. <laughs> what um, let me. So I'm just looking at this. Jake DeBrus ice time the last four games: 1701, 1719, 1749, 1834. Why is Jim Montgomery still playing in that many minutes if you? think he's like that disappointed in his play because because as we were talking about like if you if you first of all there's always the potential that he will break out this team isn't necessarily necessarily littered with a bunch of Wayne Gretzky's out there like he is one of the players that is capable of scoring at a high level so that's why it's frustrating because you can't not play him especially when this team is a little bit lackluster offensively I also think Scott that there's a bit of catering to the players. He does not respond at all to getting demoted and getting benched. And I just, like, as I just said, I don't even think that's the right approach with him. Um, I also, I also have said before too, like, it's not that I don't think he, I, I'm not saying he's a, a liability out there. I, I know he's making like normal hockey plays that everybody else on the ice is also making. Like he's like, I'm not saying he's a bad player. I'm saying that, there's a lot more for him to give. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have all the answers, but, but he definitely is a, I mean, he's a, he's somebody that's capable of scoring 30 goals in this league. So that's why he keeps getting played. And I don't think he's a, I don't think he's the type of player to, to sit on the, on the bench and respond well. So Montgomery is kind of placating to, to the player, which I understand, but that's why. I, I actually just don't even think he's frustrated with him to start with. Like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know about I that. I mean, he made the comment he's... about that one shot, like the overtime shot. But like in general, I I don't get the sense that like Montgomery's not. I mean, he's not the same kind of coach as Cassidy, where he calls guys out the same way. But just don't get the sense that he's 
like over Jake DeBrusque at this point. Do you do you guys see I, him? I think. Go ahead, Scott. Go ahead. No, no, I, I was gonna say I, I Montgomery has made a couple comments at times about his details have slipped a little, or and he always kind of either prefaces it or follows it up with that's what happens when a player is used to scoring isn't scoring. And I, I think that's legitimately what Jim Montgomery believes. Like, I don't think he's, I don't think he's lying. He, he might hide a little bit of frustration here and there, but I think he truly believes that Jake DeBrusque is a good player who's mostly doing good things, but who is getting more and more frustrated that he's not scoring. And I asked Montgomery today, like, is there anything you can do to counter that frustration or is the only solution that it just has to start going in at some point? And Montgomery said like straight up, like it has to start going in. Like there's no other shortcut to a guy who's used to scoring to stop being frustrated other than to start scoring like he's used to. Do you you know why, do you know why it's not going in for him? It's because he's not doing what it takes enough consistently enough for it to go in for him. I guarantee you guys, if Jake DeBrusque for five games, five games straight, call it, you know what? Scratch that. Call it three games tops. If for three games in a row, every time you watch Jake DeBrusque, he was busting his ass and going hard to the blue paint and working hard in the corners. I guarantee you guys. Okay. I, I, Trust me, I don't pretend to be all-knowing or the smartest person in the world, but I've watched enough hockey in my life to know and play enough hockey to know you will get rewarded if you do what's what's necessary consistently enough, shift it and shift out. I guarantee you guys, if for two or three games in a row, he busted his ass straight line, played inside hockey, went to the net, got body position in front, he would at the very least get a puck and went off his skate. I, I guarantee you guys, and it's not happening because he's playing on the perimeter far too much. And that doesn't mean that he's not making high quality plays, you know, um, in the D zone or, you know, making the right plays to help his team analytically. All I'm telling you guys is that if he really wanted to bust out of this slump and you see it all the time with great players, if they have to bust out of a slump and they hit that point where like enough is enough, you'll start to see the most skilled players in the world play like fourth liners because that's what it takes to bust out of a slump. I'm telling you guys, he needs to do that. And then if he gets that confidence going, maybe he'll take off. But until then, that's just my opinion on him. And we can agree to disagree. But I, and especially him as a player, he does all of his scoring in tight. It's no secret. Like, he's just not doing it enough. Maybe a shift here and there, but not enough. That's my opinion. But we can move on if you guys want to. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that last part. Like, that is, that's the finishing product that's missing that he needs to find and he needs to find it by being in those areas where your percentage of scoring goes up. Like his shooting percentage being so low is partly bad luck, which I absolutely think is part of this, but it's also partly that it's that he's taking a higher, more of his shots are coming from lower percentage areas than when he's scoring 30 goals. 